0: funny ladies Hi. <laughs> brandy joe left us and we have no idea what to do Hi, i don't know where i am
1: hello welcome to three funny ladies <laughs> that's joe bailey that is susan jay coax hello and how are you today
0: Oh, God, if only the rest of you could see me, i look like a fucking mess. Why don't you tell tell
1: the listeners what happened?
0: Okay, so I'm obsessed with eyebrows, mine in particular. They just, a good eyebrow is just the bee's knees, right? And I have okay eyebrows, but I have to draw them in. And so, like, I have this obsession with wanting naturally nice eyebrows. So the first year of the pandemic, because we're in our second, everyone, third?
1: second. Are we going into our third? No, we're going, yeah, we're, but, in our se- yeah, well, we're in our second year.
0: Okay. Okay. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, I decided to tint my eyebrows with, uh, just for men, the beard coloring system. And it worked out great. I was able to make them the shape I want. And then I grew them out. Oh God. It was just amazing. But I got a little allergic reaction, nothing too terrible. Um, and then I decided to go ahead and do that again. But this time my body reacted as though it would with immune systems. We all know how those work. Well, a lot of us do. Some of us don't. Um, And as soon as I put this stuff on, it was like, hey, I remember this and I'm going to react immediately instead of waiting. And so I basically burned my eyebrows off. Um, And so uh, my hope at this point, and, and the irony is not lost on me that I've now lost 90 percent of the brow i originally had <laughs> <laughs> so really what i'm hoping for now is just a nice shaped brow scar that i can then use as a template to <laughs> um continue drawing them the fuck on my face yep uh <laughs> so it's a journey we're all learning um it's one of those situations where I'm glad I am stuck at home because I cannot leave with the way I look. It is just absolutely ridiculous.
1: Yeah, she she's got two white. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> is that gauze? What is that? It's
0: gauze. So here, okay. So here's the thing. So then it was like, then you got to like figure out. So now you know I research. Oh my god, chemical burns. How do you do allergic reactions? Like, how do you deal with this? So okay, trigger warning. I guess because it's gross. But so they're like, well, you got to keep them moist. You, you, you don't let them dry out. Keep them moist. So cover them. Okay, great. But when you cover them they never ever stop oozing so the healing process doesn't really begin cuz it's always just oozing and that's probably is the healing process but i'm lazy and also it feels fucking gross so then i would take the bandages off and then they would scab over but then that would really hurt and like my whole face is almost swollen <laughs> <laughs> But now, finally, I have discovered the perfect combination. I put gauze on, okay, but I just, I don't have them sealed off so that there is a barrier there and I can dab, 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 but there's also enough circulation that they're not constantly oozing. See, it's gross. Okay, it's gross and it's TMI, but that's my life right now. Um,
1: We had some good words there, moist, oozing.
0: So, yeah, yeah. So, that's what I'm dealing with currently. Uh, It's just making it exciting, you know, because before I was fine and I just decided to fuck up my life just slightly.
1: Well, I'm very, very sad to hear that. I did. Uh, we did see each other last night. It did not. I was expecting a much worse thing. Not that I'm mm-hmm. downplaying what you're going through. Um, <laughs> but I mean, in terms of appearances, sure, it sure, was sure. not nearly as bad as I was anticipating. I could see where there were, you know, the scarrings or what have you.
0: Yes. Yes. And so this is also gross. So if you're queasy, skip five seconds. They had completely <sighs> scabbed over. And then this morning, I temptation just got the better of me. and. Um, I took the scab off and it came off in one clean thing Ugh. in the shape of a brow. It's disgusting, mm. but they feel so much better because they really hurt and were are really tight.
1: Yeah, they're tight.
0: <laughs> we're going to go down in Greece now. They're those, not going to like this. Those door.
1: brows are tight. <laughs> Actually, uh, it w- looks like we've gone up in Greece.
0: You know, uh, that's we're 17, number 17,
1: 19 in Greece,
0: 19, 36 right. in Finland. All right.
1: 97 in Mexico. Well, all right. Here's this is the one that uh, fascinates me. We're 156 in Kenya. What? Isn't that something?
0: That is something. Yeah. I wish I knew how this works. Like, is it just one person who
1: listened to it? And, and maybe, they, and that's they, good enough to put us at 156. Right. They, they listened to 42 minutes of it and turned it off. And that's like, oh, 156. Oh,
0: 156. Okay, great. Yay. We're big in Kenya. And some dudes like no, I accidentally turned you on. I thought I was listening to true crime and I wasn't paying attention. And then I realized, and I turned it off, but now you're 156. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah,
1: we're 210 in Ireland. Yeah. So that's fun. So yeah, it looks like Nice. Yeah. So that's we're back. Uh this says 37 in Thailand, so this this might be a little bit. I mean, we did get these stat statuses <laughs> today, so I don't know. But anyway, it's exciting. People around the globe love us. We're globally adored.
0: <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. You could take what you just told us and go run with it that way. I would say we're globally sort of listened to possibly accidentally. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so oh, what's going on with you? Anything? Um,
1: I don't think so. I just don't think that's it's been a very uh eventful week, I don't think,
0: okay, God, okay. Yeah, there's
1: just nothing that I can think of that is happening in the world of a joie okay now mm-hmm. listen,
0: I know you don't care about Marvel, but I just have to speak on this for people that maybe do care about Marvel um their newest Disney plus. A show is what if it's animated and basically, what if instead of uh um Peter Quill, what if T'Challa was Star Lord?
1: Oh my, are you fucking kidding me? That's crazy. I don't know. And
0: oh, see, I was like, (laughs) oh my god,
1: what if Chingachanga was Star Lords?
0: I hate you so much (laughs) for the people that know that listen, (laughs) listen. (laughs) <laughs> let me tell you something. So that was last night's episode. If what is what? Okay, let me. Maybe you'll understand this. What if Black Panther was Chris Pratt's part in Galaxy? I almost said Galaxy Quest, <clears throat> Guardians of the Galaxy. So maybe that means something to you. Maybe. Yeah. If Chadwick Boseman had played Chris Pratt's part in Guardians of the Galaxy,
1: mm-hmm. that'd be kind of cool, I guess, right?
0: It was actually um stunning and beautiful and very emotional i cried through the whole thing because that was the last thing he did before he passed he did oh, voice he did the voice he did the voice and so it's and then of course at the end they said for Chadwick of bozeman i was i was a fucking wreck so the reason i bring this up is because it was beautiful and i was on the fence about watching it because even though i'm a disney freak animation's not really my jam um, so I was, wasn't was excited as I was for WandaVision or Loki, but watch it. It's great. If you're a Marvel fan, if you're Joe Bailey, don't, because you won't understand it. And you won't understand why it's cool because you didn't even know who the people were playing
1: in the first place. The people. It's funny because I used to, when I was in college, I was a big Marvel freak. I read the comics. I, but it was really X-Men. I was really into the X-Men.
0: And there's, there's, there, it looks like they will be joining the fold.
1: Finally, yes. Maybe sometime. Here's the other thing is like they just keep having to like go back in time or whatever so they can keep making them younger and younger. So I don't like the new team as much as. Oh, you mean the X Men? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, they they completely fucked up all of that. Yeah, yeah. But they're not part of the Marvel Universe.
1: Right. They're not right. part of the MZU. Right, right.
0: MZU is what I just said. Because <laughs> like there's TM- all these contractual- Because they're part of TMZ. <laughs> they're part of TMZ. Yeah, you know, all these contractual- Because technically, although Spider-Man, played by the Tom Hollands, is part- Well, I don't know. He's actually Sony- even though he is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's like there's, and also then like the Hulk cannot have a standalone movie because his character, somebody else owns the rights to his singularity. It's so dumb. All of those contracts and bullshit, I right. don't understand. I sort of do, but it's stupid. Anyway, where are we going this, this this, conversation that you don't care about? Oh, I used to be a nut about DC because Batman was my favorite, but then it became very clear to me that Batman wasn't my favorite. It was Michael Keaton that was my favorite because after Michael Keaton stopped, well, then it was just garbage. So,
1: Except for when Val Cameron came in and was the best Batman. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, of course. I mean, Wonder Woman is probably my all-time. Sure, sure,
0: favorite. sure, 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 um, sure, sure, sure.
1: I mean, actually, I my gateway into <laughs> okay. Marvel was uh-huh. Dazzler, who I just adored. What and is she, that? She was when she started. She was like a roller skating. Oh. Thing thing. She was a roller skating <laughs> lady. She she like could um manufacture light. So do you know Jubilee? So she
0: just. Yeah. So she just started as a gay icon is what we're saying.
1: Exactly. And then she joined the X-Men and then they went through the siege perilous and then she disappeared. And then they got Jubilee, who was basically the same powers, but a much worse character. But anyway, (laughs) Dazzler was and is my ultimate favorite, but I also just love Wonder Woman too. Basically, it's the women. So whatever.
0: Sure. Sure. Well, my gateway was uh, because I used to watch the Hulk on TV.
1: Mm hmm. With mm-hmm. the Lou
0: Ferrigno and yep. the um the Bill Bixby. Thank you. Uh, and Wonder Woman who Oh saw. fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, did you watch the new Wonder Woman movies? Yes. You didn't uh, Yeah.
1: We talked did about like? the new one on we here. I
0: did, and I can't remember. Did you like it or no?
1: I did. We but we were in the minority on that because everybody hates it. Yes, that. that's right. Yeah, because um, I liked it. I did too. I thought it was fine.
0: I thought it was fun. I don't know why people are so angry. About yeah, it.
1: just like calm down, everybody.
0: Oh, in other news, um, semi-related, we know that Scarlett Johansson had sued Disney because she was like, Hold up, I know how to read a contract, and you uh breached my contract for my Black Widow movie. Um, and they say it has nothing to do with her, uh, but now Disney will no longer do that. Disney Plus will no longer do that premium pass thing.
1: Oh, wow, that's interesting.
0: Um, which I'm all for honestly because I already own Disney Plus I pay 6.99 and that's a very good price I'm not bemoaning that at all but then to say well, you can watch Black Widow right now in the comfort of your home but you got to pay 60 extra not 60 30 extra dollars like I'm going to either wait or go to the movie theater
1: yeah and like the thing is cruella is going to be on there this month anyway so it's like if you just wait
0: yeah you just wait and then it's free a minute
1: and then it's free so it's done
0: uh so i thought that was a win but they say it's because movie theaters were starting to sue
1: yeah and she just had a baby she was like i'm gonna sue you guys and then i'm gonna have a baby
0: and then i'm gonna have a baby because i'm a fucking woman and i get it
1: (laughs) (laughs) but i don't know do you know what she had everything i've read did not say what she had oh really yeah
0: oh you know what I'm gonna say that it was a boy, but I just made that assumption based on the name, which is Cosmo.
1: Oh boy, but that is which yeah, is a terrible knows? name.
0: But I would think it's a le- lesser terrible name for a boy than it would be a girl.
1: Yeah, everything I saw yesterday was just like they welcome a the baby.
0: Interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I just assumed it was a boy, and it was Cosmo. So wh- who knows? We'll see.
1: I. So, after everything that we talked about the last couple weeks, I started to watch the m- Magical Lady Marmalade show. The um, Miss Maisel? That's it. That's it. <laughs> Starring uh, Christine
0: Christina Aguilera.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, pink. As a, as a female comedian in the 1950s. <laughs> oh my God, how oh horrible would that be? <laughs> Co-starring uh, Maya. Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, I watched the first episode and I've watched half of the second episode. And yep. See, it's, I, yeah. I may I'll probably go back to it some di- time.
0: But you're not Russian.
1: I'm not. I didn't like the first it's interesting because like the first episode I was watching it. It didn't really make me laugh. And there were times when I was like watching it and then it would register like, oh, that was a joke. Like that is written as a joke.
0: (laughs) Oh, wait, I'm supposed to laugh at that.
1: But Uh it didn't cause me to laugh. So we'll see what happens with it.
0: That's 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 the thing. Uh, Sorry, you get to look at my boobs for half a second. Um oh my. Oh my. That's the thing. Like I don't have and we've talked about this before, so I don't want to bore people again. But like when it's the big thing of, oh, she's a comedian. Uh and it's all about her being a comedian. I mean, I guess less so with this show, but I want her to be I want it to be funny and it's not. Like her portions of stand up that you see her do. I don't think are funny. That was my same problem with Studio 60 oh um, boy don't, get me, going, yeah, don't going, get me started yeah they don't even get me get me started they kept going on and on about how sarah paulson's character was the funniest woman in show business and then you never saw her be funny and it was like what the fuck what? Yeah. what like you don't like that and also if you're gonna do a show like that i don't know maybe get fucking improvisers or comedic actors i love sarah paulson but th- she was not a fit good fit for that show it was real weird
1: Um, It's interesting because I just read a review for Nine Perfect Strangers Uh that brought up that whole Studio 60 and 30 Rock because they both started at the same season. And
0: there was a big like, who's going to win this Smackdown?
1: Yeah. And so they brought that up in the review in regards to The White Lotus, saying that The White Lotus is the 30 Rock in this scenario. And Nine Perfect Strangers is the Studio 60.
0: Oh.
1: So, but we'll see. I'm going to watch. We've started. We've started The White Lotus. um, And then I'm going to watch Nine Perfect Strangers. So.
0: I started, we started watching, and I know I'm very late to the game, but we started watching What We Do in the Shadows.
1: Oh, yeah, I haven't.
0: It's, (laughs) it's so dumb and I love it.
1: I didn't love the movie, which I, is what's kept me away from the TV show.
0: I have a feeling it's one of those things where it's probably really different. Okay. I, I, I would assume, I don't know. I haven't seen the movie, but it's just, it's so dumb and I love it so much. It is so dumb. <laughs> um, so I'm enjoying that. We just watched um Captain. nope agent carter late to the game on that it was all right
1: the series Um,
0: yeah oh yeah it was in 2016 it was on uh abc it was all right yeah so anyway that's what's that's what's happening we're back into our binging uh habits which i enjoy so you know okay your head's gonna fly right off he's (laughs) nodding
1: vigorously. Um, shall we jump into our lady? I feel like we have a lot to talk about today. Yeah.
0: Oh god. I was actually thinking yesterday, I was like, this probably needs to be a two-parter.
1: We've never done a two-parter before, but maybe it's a not.
0: two-parter where maybe we do wee pods on her books, maybe.
1: Oh. At some okay. point. Um, so our lady today, this week, is none other than Ms. Carol Burnett.
0: My my favorite comedic actors of all time.
1: Now, this is probably a moot. Question. That's not the right thing. Uh rhetorical. But what's your first uh what's your first memory of Carol Burnett? Her show. Yeah.
0: The Carol Burnett show. Yeah.
1: I that was such a big thing. I was telling Joe about it the other day because I was watching clips of it on YouTube. And uh it was just such a family night. I mean, Saturday night Mm -hmm. when it was on was a huge night for television, unlike nowadays. Because we would all gather around the TV and watch All in the Family and Mary Tyler Moore and Mm -hmm. Bob Newhart and Carol Burnett. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I told him it was on Saturday nights at 10 o'clock. And he was like, 10 o'clock on a Saturday? (laughs) I'm like, yes. And it was a huge night. It was always like we got to stay up late so that we could watch Carol Burnett. It was just such a family thing that I just have such fond memories of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Carol Creighton Burnett.
0: I know. I saw. Very interesting.
1: Yeah. Was born on April 26, 1933 in San Antonio, Texas. That makes her 88 years old. (laughs) Is that not crazy? She's almost 90. Yeah,
0: that doesn't make any sense.
1: It just doesn't. She is the daughter of Ina Louise, whose maiden name was Creighton, uh, who was a publicity writer from the movie studios, and Joseph Burnett, who was a movie theater manager. So she was born into it. It's in her blood.
0: In her blood.
1: Uh, both of her parents were alcoholics. And oh at a young age, she was left with her grandmother, her mother's mother. And her parents divorced in the late 1930s, and her mother moved to Hollywood. And Carol and her grandmother soon followed, and they lived in a boarding house in Hollywood with Carol's younger half sister, Chrissy. While Carol was in the second grade, she briefly invented an imaginary twin sister named (gasps) Karen. Shut! Shut!
0: I had an imaginary twin sister and I'm
1: not even fucking joking. Oh my God. What's she named Karen? No, she didn't have. Any. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> we was
0: just talking to Kelly about this.
1: Yes. I had an imaginary
0: twin sister and Kelly's like, what was her name? I was like, I didn't give her a
1: lot. She's like, you have
0: problems. Yep. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's amazing. Okay. Go ahead. I'm so
1: sorry. Uh, that's okay. Uh, so Carol Later recalled that motivated to further the pretense, she fooled the other boarders in the rooming house by frantically switching clothes and dashing in and out of the house by the fire escape and then in through the front door. And then she became exhausted playing both herself and Karen. And so Karen then just mysteriously vanished.
0: (laughs) That is amazing.
1: Yeah. When uh, Carol was nine, she taught herself how to do the Tarzan yell, uh, which she realized years later was a good vocal exercise for volume. And then it soon became, as we all know, a fan favorite. Uh, Her grandmother frequently took Carol to the movies, uh, as well as taking home a few rolls of toilet paper that she stole from the bathrooms. Uh, And then years later, the movies that she saw with her grandmother influenced the sketch content that she did in her show. Uh, the Carol Burnett Show. For a while, she worked as an usher at the Warner Brothers Theater, which is now the Hollywood Pacific Theater. And when the uh, movie theater was showing Alfred Hitchcock's Stranger on a Train, she had seen the film and she loved it. And so two patrons came in uh, like five minutes to, like to the end of the movie. And so she advised them to wait in the lobby for the next showing so that it wouldn't ruin the movie for her. Or for them, so the manager observed her not letting the couple in, and she got fired. So years later, when the uh, when she got her Hollywood, her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, they asked her where she wanted it put, and she replied right in front of where the old Warner Brothers Theater was uh, at Hollywood and Wilcox, which is where icon it was placed. Absolutely. Fucking uh, oh yep.
0: god, that's that's the pettiest. Mm. <laughs> that is. Master level petty, and I am yes. fucking here for
1: it. Absolutely. Sometimes I love that level of petty because it's so righteous.
0: It's so right. And she's not hurting anybody. No, nope. it's not. But it's just like, fuck you. Yeah, it's her
1: own private fuck you.
0: Yes.
1: Uh, after graduating from Hollywood High School in 1951, she received an anonymous. Now, this is interesting because this happens to her a couple of times. Okay. So after she graduates from high school, she receives an anonymous envelope containing $50.
0: Wait, this happened to her more than
1: once? Yeah, I'm going to get to this, but this is interesting. So the $50 covered one year of tuition at UCLA.
0: I'm sorry, say that one more time?
1: Yeah. So the $50 that she got anonymously covered one year of tuition at UCLA. So (laughs) schools schools in California are... Are or at least were notoriously inexpensive, more inexpensive than any other place in the country. But I mean, that is very cheap.
0: I mean, that's, yeah. Come
1: on. Uh, so she went to UCLA. She planned on studying journalism, um, but during her first year of college, she switched her focus to theater and English with the goal of becoming a playwright. Okay. But she found in her playwriting track that she had to take an acting course. And she says, I wasn't, Really ready to do the acting thing, but I had no choice. So during her first performance, she got a sudden impulse to speak her lines in a new way. Don't ask me why, she says, but when we were in front of the audience, I suddenly decided I was going to stretch out all of my words. And my first line came out, I'm back. That's my own inflection. Uh, The audience response moved her deeply. She says, they laughed And it felt great. All of a sudden, after so much coldness and emptiness in my life, I knew the sensation of all that warmth wrapping around me. Mm -hmm. I had always been a quiet, shy, sad sort of girl. And then (laughs) everything changed for me. You spend the rest of your life hoping you'll hear a laugh that great again. Oh my God. And it's so true. Even today, if I'm doing, like, I hate when, if I'm doing, like a drama or something. I hate if there are laughs to be had in it. If I don't get laughs, mm-hmm. like I really equate laughs with affection. Yep. When it comes to performing
0: 100%. Uh,
1: so during this time, she performed in several university productions, garnering recognition for her comedic and musical abilities, but her mother disapproved of her acting ambitions. Uh, Carol says she wanted me to be a writer. She said, you can always write no matter what you look like when I was. Yeah. When I was growing up, she told me to be a little lady. And a couple of times I got a whack for crossing my eyes or making funny faces. Of course she never, I never dreamed that I would ever perform. The young Carol was always insecure about her looks, and she responded many years later to her mother's advice of you can always write no matter what you look like by noting God that hurt. During her junior year at UCLA in 1954, a professor invited Carol and some of her other students to perform at a party in place of their class final that had been canceled. Afterwards, a man and his wife approached her uh, while she was stuffing cookies into her purse to take home to her grandmother. (laughs) instead of reprimanding her the man complimented her performance and asked her about her future plans when he learned that she wanted to travel to new york in order to try her luck in musical comedy but could not afford the trip he offered her and her boyfriend uh, don saroyan uh, each of them on the spot a thousand dollar interest-free loan his oh conditions, God. I know. His conditions were simply that the loans were to be repaid within 5 years and his name was never to be revealed. Oh, and wow. if she achieved success, she would help other people aspiring to pursue their artistic dreams. Carol took him up on his offer and she and Don left college and moved to New York to pursue their acting careers. And unfortunately that same year her father died of causes related to alcoholism. Mm. So Carol married that college sweetheart of hers, Don Soroyan, on December 15th, 1955, and they divorced in 1962. On May 4th, 1963, she married television producer Joe Hamilton, who was a divorced father of eight. Oh, my God. I know. Isn't that crazy? Uh, he had produced her 1962 Carnegie Hall concert, and then he later produced The Cara Burnett Show, among other projects of hers. They had three daughters, Carrie, Jody, and Erin Hamilton. And, of course, Carrie unfortunately died at the age of 38 from pneumonia mm. as a complication of lung and brain cancer. Mm. And she had also been through years of addiction. So Joe and Carol ultimately divorced in 1984, so that was a good run, 21 years. Uh, The challenge of coping with Carrie's drug problems uh, was mentioned as part of the reason for the separation, but they took the opportunity to inform other parents about handling such problems and raised money for the clinic in which Carrie was treated. In 1988, Carol and Carrie took a trip to Moscow to help introduce the first Alcoholics Anonymous branch in the Soviet Union. Aww. And then on November 24th, 2001, Carol married Brian Miller, who is a, or was maybe, I don't know if he still is a principal drummer for the Hollywood bowl orchestra. Oh, nice. And he is 23 years, her junior.
0: You get it, girl.
1: Absolutely. And then this is an interesting story in 2007. Carol and Wacko Incorporated brought a suit, a lawsuit against 20th Century Fox, requesting at least $2 million in damages, alleging copyright infringement, violation of publicity rights, and misappropriation of name and likeness due to the use of her charwoman character and an altered version of Carol's theme, which was the theme song used in the Carol Burnett show, without Mm -hmm. her permission. The character and theme were used in an episode of Family Guy. Called Peterotica, where Peter starts to write pornographic novels. Okay. And uh, the characters visit a porn shop and they discuss the cleanliness of the porn shop. And one of them states it's so clean because Carol Burnett works there as a janitor. <laughs> so then the charwoman is shown mopping up the floor in the porn shop, and the characters subsequently discuss her ear tug and make a crude comment about it. Carol and her company requested that Fox remove all references to her, the theme, and the character, but the studio did not. The suit was ruled in favor of the defendant, 20th Century Fox, because the bit was parody, which is protected by the First Amendment. The judge agreed that the portrayal was crude. But stated that the character Carol created was far more creative than anything the Family Guy team could come up with on their own.
0: Wow. So he's like, <laughs> they won, but just cause you're far better.
1: <laughs> yeah, they won, but they're garbage, and you are comic gold. Right. Wow. So that is in a painfully large nutshell, some fat toys about Ms. Carol Burnett. Ah.
0: Oh, fucking icon um well listen her her resume is fucking crazy so <clears throat> after a spending her first new uh, year in New York working as a hat check girl and failing to land acting jobs, Burnett, along with other girls living at the rehearsal club that boarding house. Put on the Rehearsal Club Review on March 3rd, 1955. They mailed invitations to agents who showed up along with stars Celeste Holm and Marlene Dietrich. That's crazy. Because of this, she was cast in a minor role uh, on the Paul Winchell and Jerry Mahoney show in 1955. She played the girlfriend of a ventriloquist dummy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This role led her to starring opposite Buddy Hackett on the short-lived sitcom Stanley from 1956 to 57. After Stanley, Burnett found herself unemployed for a short time. A few months later, she bounced back, uh, becoming highly popular as a performer in the New York uh, circuit of cabarets and nightclubs, most notably for a hit parody number called I Made a Fool of Myself over John Foster Duels. Sure. Ah, he was Secretary of State at the time. Uh, In 1957, she performed this number on both The Tonight Show and The Ed Sullivan Show. And then Jules was asked about her on Meet the Press and joked, I never discuss matters of the heart in public. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) Uh, Around this time, she also worked as a regular on one of television's earliest game shows, Pantomime Quiz. In 1957, just as she was receiving her first small successes her mother passed away
1: mm.
0: Burnett's first true taste of success came with her appearance on broadway in the 1959 musical once upon a mattress for which she was nominated for a tony award uh, that same year she became a regular player on the gary moore show a job that lasted until 1962 she won an emmy on that show and she portrayed a number of characters most notably the put upon cleaning woman who later became her signature alter ego uh, with her success on The Moore Show, Burnett finally rose to headliner status and appeared in the special Julie and Carol at Carnegie Hall, co-starring her friend Julie Andrews. Uh Julie and Carol at Carnegie Hall won an Emmy Award for Outstanding Program Achievement in the Field of Music, and Burnett won an Emmy for her performance. In 1964, Burnett starred in the Broadway musical Fade Out, Fade In, but was forced to withdraw after sustaining a neck accident. Uh Nope. After sustaining a neck injury to taxi accident. (laughs) What's a neck accident? (laughs) You have one in a taxi, apparently. Okay. She returned to the show later, but then withdrew again to participate in a variety show, The Entertainers. Um, Opposite Bob Newhart uh the producers of fade out fade in sued the actress for her breach of contract after her absences from the popular show caused its failure wow but the, yeah but the suit was later dropped
1: hmm. uh,
0: let's see in 1967 cbs offered to put Burnett in a weekly comedy series Agnes, however, she had a stipulation in her ten year contract with CBS that said she had five years from the date the Gary Moore show ended to push the button on hosting thirty one hour episodes of a music comedy variety show as a result, the hour long Carbounet Show was born and debuted in september nineteen sixty seven garnering twenty three Emmy Awards and winning or being nominated for multiple Emmy and Golden Globe Awards oh Jesus. Golden Globe Awards. Every season, it was on air. The network instantly did not want her to do a variety show because it believed only men could be successful in variety. But Mm -hmm. her contract required that it give her one season of whatever kind of show she wanted to make. She chose to carry on the tradition of past variety show successes. She ended each show tugging on her left ear, which was a message to her grandmother. This was done to let her know that she was doing well and that she loved her during the show's run her grandmother died on an intimate portrait episode about brunette she tearfully recalled her grandmother's last moments she said to my husband joe from her hospital bed joe you see that spider up there there was no spider but joe said he did anyhow she said every few minutes a big spider jumps on that little spider and they go at it like rabbits and then she died (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh, wow. That's Uh, crazy.
0: There's laughter in everything. (laughs) 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 Uh, She continued the tradition of tugging on her ear. The show ceased production in 1978. Four postscript episodes were produced and aired on ABC during the summer of 1979 under the title Cara Burnett and Company, basically using the same format and with the exception of Harvey Corman and Lyle Wagoner, the same supporting cast. Beginning in 1977, the comedy sketches of her series were edited into half-hour episodes for syndication entitled Cara Burnett and Friends, which for many years proved to be an extremely, pop, extremely popular in syndication. And in January 2015, began airing on me tv whatever the fuck that is (laughs) (laughs) she hasn't done they make a point of saying she hasn't done a lot of films um but she has been in pete and tilly in 1972 and she was nominated for an emmy in 1974 her in 1974 for her role in the drama six rooms review Sure. After her show ended, she assumed a number of roles that departed from comedy. She appeared in several dramatic roles, most notably in the television movie Friendly Fire. She appeared as Beatrice O'Reilly in the film Life of the Party, the story of Beatrice, a story about a woman fighting her alcoholism. Her other film work include uh, Alan Alda's The Four Seasons, Joe Houston's Annie, and Peter Bogdanovich's Noises Off. Let's see. She's done uh, some voice work and Horton Hears a Who and the trumpet of the swan, and uh, Toy Story 4. I didn't know that. Hmm. She was a talking chair named Cheryl Burnett. Oh my God. Toy Story 4 should never have happened so no. I wiped it from my memory In the 1980s and 90s she made several attempts at starting a new variety program She also appeared briefly on the Carible Net shows The Family Sketches spinoff Mama's Family as her stormy character Eunice Higgins. She played the matriarch in the cult comedy mar- miniseries Fresno which par- parodied the primetime soap opera Falcon Crest um, She also played um Jamie Buckman's mother on Mad About You, um, and she won an Emmy Award for that. In 1995, after an absence of 30 years, she was back on Broadway in Moon Over Buffalo, for which she was nominated for a Tony Award. Uh, Four years later, she appeared in Broadway Review, Putting It Together. In two thousand and four, Burnett joined two-time Tony Award winner Brian Dennehy on Broadway in Love Letters. Oh, that'd be so good! So yeah, she's she's done a lot of stuff. A lot Just of stuff. A lot of stuff. I mean, she's been on Law and Order SVU and got an Emmy Award for it. Who hasn't? I mean, I mean, seriously, even I have. <laughs> it, no one can prove otherwise.
1: <laughs> Those. Sketches on camera are so funny. Joe had like, I showed Joe the dentist sketch with uh-huh. Harvey Carman, and Tim Conway, which he had never seen before. So funny. And then I showed him the, um, there's that um, blooper, I guess, really of Tim during one of the family sketches when Carol is Eunice and mama and they're playing password. And uh-huh. he does the whole thing about the elephants. Uh huh. Have you seen this?
0: Um, just, I feel like I have, but I don't remember it
1: everybody is laughing on stage. It's just so goddamn funny.
0: He is. She's the reason that I don't mind breaking on stage. And also here's a little secret. Sometimes I'll do it on purpose. If I feel like the audience is not on our side.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Yes, absolutely. They were the ones who laid the groundwork for me in that field. Also, but yes. I also really and of course, if you're doing something like you know street named Desire, you're not gonna like. Bro- yeah,
0: you're not. We're not gonna do that.
1: Come on, you do now. it. You do but it. If it you're doing something,
0: if you're doing something like die, mommy die. Yes. Then you're gonna have room to do that. I'm not gonna do that. Yeah.
1: Right. And it makes it more special, I think, for the audience to feel like they're getting a singular moment that no yep. one else is getting. And I just think it's so funny. I just love and it's like it's like a church laugh when you know you're not supposed to laugh and you try to not laugh. Uh And that just makes it even worse. Uh Uh Um, And those moments, I think, are just so great. Just kind of gold.
0: Yeah. And I think that people like to see the people on stage as real people. And I think they like. I think they like knowing that they get along.
1: Yes. Yeah. Does that
0: makes sense. Like, yeah. oh my God, they're friends, Oh my god, they're friends in real life. I mean, not like I said, we're gonna do this stuff in die mommy die and 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 sorted lives. Okay. Right. So it's not like they think we're bound for Oscars or anything, but <laughs> they do get a kick out of it. And 99.9% of the time it's genuine, but there are times that I have pulled it out. Yeah. To get the audience on our side.
1: Yeah. And there are times when you sort of recreate those moments that have may have happened organically Mm -hmm. that caused a break. And then you just reconstruct them in later performances. Right. Right. But yeah, those, I just have such fond memories of, and it's, it's crazy to me that they, that was her contract. Like, Oh, and by the way, if you want, we will give you 30, one hour episodes of whatever show you want. Right. If you, and it was a pay or play. So like, if you don't do the show, we'll, you'll still get paid for them. But 30 episodes is huge. Would never happen today. No. Um, And then just the fact that of course it was all men uh, who were doing variety at the time. I was reading her book um, in such good company this week, which is all about, that her times on the show. And of course at the time was all like Steve Allen and Jackie Gleason and all those people who had the shows and just the idea of like, Oh my God, a woman cannot do a variety show.
0: Mm -hmm. It's
1: so stupid. So trailblazer. Right. And hysterical.
0: We've talked about this before that. I think it is my personal opinion that a funny woman is going to be 10 times funnier than a funny man.
1: Yep. And I also wonder if, I mean, they had to put her show on, which is just, it's incredible to me to think that that was in her contract, Mm -hmm. but also I would imagine it probably helped them knowing that she was considered quote unquote unattractive.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And we've talked about that
1: too. Yep. Yep. So, it's just, I'm, I'm so thrilled that it was such a huge success um, yeah. and just sort of like, fuck you all. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but just interesting and fascinating. They had in her book, she mentions like what a typical week was mm-hmm. and they filmed it all because it was the theater or the studio that they were in was really set up like a theater. Okay. And they would film the whole show in like two hours. And she's like, I've been on sitcoms now where it's like, everything is like, all the sets are laid out horizontally. Mm -hmm. And so people that are on one end of the audience section have to watch some of the stuff on monitors cause it's too far away for them to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it just takes so long to film. She's like, we just would film it all in one fell swoop. We treated it like a musical comedy. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it just like, I didn't want to cut. Like, I just really wanted to maintain as much as that live aspect as we could. I love and that. Kind of makes me sad that variety shows have gone away. Yeah. I know Maya Rudolph and Marty. They tried. Martin short tried, but tried, yeah. Maybe but it's just maybe there's just no taste taste for it anymore. Taste
0: for it. Oh, I don't um, have a taste for it. So what how should we do this because we kind of did something special today, this week.
1: We did.
0: So, what should we discuss first?
1: Um, Well, let's do... Uh, like, I really went hog wild this week because I also watched the two things that we chose. Right. Then we watched the one together. Yeah. Then I also watched the four seasons. Okay. Because it's a movie from my teen years, which is an important movie in my coming up. Okay. Um, and I also watched Putting It Together, the Broadway oh, wow. production, because I'd never okay. seen it before. Okay. But let's do the one together first.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> so last night, Susan and I got together and we watched a documentary oh, from God. I think 1998 by the great DA D. A. Pennebaker, uh which is called Moon Over Broadway, which is a documentary which, about her return to Broadway in Moon Over Buffalo mm-hmm. in 1995. Mm-hmm. Very much fly on the wall.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Um, and it just sort of charts the whole process from read-through to closing on Broadway. hmm So it's also uh, fascinating <laughs> and uh-huh. infuriating. Oh,
0: my. I was so... Angry, 98% of the time. Uh, it, it, may I go off?
1: Please go.
0: They. So it was one of those things where this was a brand new play. The writer had just finished it, but also it was one of those processes where he was going to take a lot of input from the actors and the director and, and and stuff would be changed. So they would get certain pages and like stuff was changed up till opening night on Broadway. Maybe even after, I don't know. Um, this man, and I don't remember his name. You can fucking look it up.
1: It's Ken, He's, Ken Ludwig.
0: He is the most fragile egoed White. He, Uh, he was infuriating to me anyway they got carol burnett because she was carol burnett they have a press conference at the beginning of the movie saying when they were writing when he was writing the show um there were two dream actors that they had in mind and they got them both and one of them was carol burnett well then she goes to do her thing and listen carol burnett does have a bag of tricks but she's not one of those people she's a true actress she doesn't do the same thing all the time yes there's standard bag of tricks but she knows what she's doing and she doesn't just do stuff to do stuff she has reasons for everything but this motherfucker could not stand that his stuff was crap and she was doing things to make it better the whole time, being gracious and humble and not telling him that his shit sucked. <laughs> and just was trying to do her best with the material. And when she was given notes, she took it like, you know, <clears throat> she, okay, she was an actor and she was taking notes and, okay, okay, great. And she never set, had a bad word for anybody. And she was always just down to earth and lovely. And these white men, just just the way they talked about her well she has a shtick and she has this and i don't want her to do her shtick and i don't want her to do this and i don't want her to do that but they got her for a fucking reason and then the final dress rehearsal they show one of the 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 wench the winch for the set piece that's supposed to move forward it got stuck and so it was taking all of the crew people to fix it and so the director who's another douche canoe the director was like carol can you come out with me and just talk to the audience so she's good enough when you need her but you don't want her to be her it just there were so many times also listen i have never seen so many white people in specifically white men in my life. And I did improv for over 20 years.
1: (laughs) There is is very a person of color in this film.
0: There is not one person, a shade darker than cottage cheese. There are two women. I think aside from care, aside from the cast of the show, there are two women, one of which we had no idea who she was, (laughs) what she did. She just followed the director. around. I guess she was his assistant at one time. At one point she says somebody's name. That's it but i mean it was just like and also all the conversations you see and they talk about this show so seriously and it's a comedy first of all um and it's just i'm very glad that i don't see and i probably will never see that side of theater um that money machine type thing uh it's just depressing and gross And yeah, it was infuriating. Sorry. No,
1: no, it is. The way they talk, the two, the two, especially Ken Ludwig and then the director, Tom Moore, the way they talk both to her Mm -hmm. and also about her when she's not around is infuriating it's like they don't, they, they, they do talk about, well, she's making it a and She's she's ruining it. And now I'll never have the play that I wrote because she's doing things that she shouldn't be doing or whatever. And it's just like you said, you hired Carol fucking Burnett. Right. Who was a fucking comic legend. Right. You fucking carry your play on her shoulders. Right. Let her do her thing. And just like talking to her, like she doesn't know anything. Like she... Yeah. Hasn't like it's her first day working in the theater, and she just like you said is so gracious to them Mm -hmm. and so conciliatory, and she just is a true fucking class act.
0: She never once says, "Hey fuckers, I'm Carol fucking Burnett. Right, you hired me for a reason because uh, in a lot, and I can see where somebody listen." you could cast me in a show and I have a reputation of chewing scenery and stuff. And if you don't want me to, you can say, listen, uh, d- d- uh, this part right here, you're going to over, whatever. They could have said that to her. She would have completely fucking understood. But what they did was they made the assumption that she's a one note, wonder and she's making a bit out of this and all they had to say was pull back a little bit or just rethink this and she would have had an answer yeah but they just assumed that she's this persona this caricature of herself and she was going to do everything completely blown out and and that's just she was an act she's an actress though too like i feel legitimately and a genius yeah you're not talking to like some person from snl who only does one character
1: right and they I, they just i felt like they were so passive aggressive toward her and just so right. condescending and it just tell her is it's really infuriating so yeah. it's nice that and then like that moment when he does bring her out to the audience and she just oh wow she has them right in the palm of her hand and it's like this she knows how to work them. She does. She does. And it's like, fuck you because it's like, well, now we need Carol Burnett. So now let's let her do whatever she wants to do because we need her now. Well, guess what? You need her the whole time. And the fact that that play ran as long as it did is because of Carol Burnett.
0: Yeah. And she had that audience eating out of the palm of her hand and she knows what she's doing, but it's not calculated. It's totally 100% genuine. Yep. And that's why people love her.
1: Yep. Just going around opening night, giving gifts to her whole cast. And just like, I love you. I'm so excited. And just, it's just, she's just a class fucking act.
0: Meanwhile, I have to mention this. This doesn't have anything to do with Carol Burnett. (laughs) The ingenue of the play. Oh God. You can tell that they're in the middle of the show. Okay.
1: Yeah. On on, the night, the critics are there
0: the night the critics are there they're in the middle of the show and i don't know if it's producers or whatnot they're out in front of the theater and they're looking at everybody's pictures because they have like life-size pictures of all the actors um and they're in the middle of this show and the ingenue (laughs) runs out and she's like oh my god i'm so glad that you're standing here talking about this
1: and she's outside like outside on the street
0: outside like there must have been a crossover where she could come outside and be able to go back in a specific door blah 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 we you know we've all done it we've all done it you know who hasn't done that and this picture. <laughs> i'm so glad you're here because i want to talk to you about this picture because i do believe in my contract i have picture approval and look at this picture i mean it's just not great like i have a crease in my dress and i'm talking you can tell and, I'm, and I'm talking just like You can tell I'm talking. It's just like, it's not, you know, it's not horrible. I mean, it's me, you know, Exactly. (laughs) Uh, but it's not great. And like, and she actually says these words because I'm like supposed to be the pretty one in the show.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Because, and the irony of all of this is they're standing there talking about how great Carol looks in her picture. Yeah. And listen, this girl's picture wasn't catastrophic. It was just a picture. It was just a show still.
1: Yeah, it was fine.
0: It was fine, but because they didn't get her beaming or wh- I was just like this bitch. So you've got Kara Burnett who would have every right in the world to be like, my picture looks like shit. It's in my contract. Can you change it? And which probably just would have said it like that. And then this bitch who I've never seen before or since. Yeah. was like, even, there's a piece no you in my name. dress. Yeah, I, I don't even know your name. <laughs> so it's just, just, ah. Anyway.
1: Yeah. It's really, it's really worth the watch. If you can find it, I don't know where I have the DVD, so I don't know if it's available, where it's available. If you can find it, it's called moon over Broadway. It is really, really fascinating.
0: Very fascinating and um, infuriating as well. Yeah. As well.
1: Yeah. I would always back in the day when I was having a bad process doing a show, I would watch this documentary and it would make me feel better because I would think if Carol Burnett can survive this bullshit right. on Broadway, then I can survive this little podunk show that I'm working on. Right. So my, my film that I chose yes. uh, to watch uh, for this week is Annie. Annie. Directed by John Huston. Opened June 18th, 1982. Now, here's the thing. Annie is not <laughs> a good film. Oh no. I love it, but I f- fully know that it is not a good film. You and understand. here's the other thing is that this was around the time period that all of these famous white established male directors were directing musicals for some reason and none yeah. of them worked real well. Yeah. So you had like Miloš Forman directed Hair the film John Houston directed Annie. And then you had Richard Attenborough who directed a chorus line, the movie, and none of them were well-received. Probably the first time any of these men directed big musicals. This was definitely the first time that John Houston had directed a big musical. Um, But it's not good. She is.
0: Oh my God. Oh my God. But. Can I tell you? Because I think I've only seen Annie one other time, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, listen, it was a staple. The music was a staple of my childhood. I sang Tomorrow and my mother would make me sing Tomorrow, like every day. Like, oh, you know, when companies ever sue, sing Tomorrow. Uh, Like, it was like that. But I had never seen the movie Um, until later. I forgot about Tim Curry. Oh, right. I forgot he was Rooster. And... Then I and I forgot Bernadette Peters as well, but it was Tim. Kru- I was like, oh, oh that's right, Tim Curry's in this. <laughs> oh, <God! laughs> and the three of them together. Oh my god! Yes, so fucking good. God I damn it!
1: Always felt uh, uh, in both the play and the film. I wish that they would have given Rooster and Lily another song or a song of their own or just something else to do. Yeah. Because they don't really have any, and they bring them in much earlier in the film than they do in the play. Mm, Okay. But they still only have that one song, which is just, and especially in the filmed ones, they always get such big people to play them and they just have nothing to do. Which is just interesting to me. What's also um, interesting is that Steve Martin was offered the role of Rooster.
0: Oh, I'm so glad he didn't take it.
1: But he turned it down because he heard that he would be working alongside Bernadette Peters, (gasps) and they were breaking up at the time,
0: didn't they? That's right. Thought it would
1: be too painful to come to work every day and work with her for several
0: months. Well, now I kind of feel bad, but I'm sorry. Tim Curry is perfect.
1: He he is very good. Um, so Annie, of course, is based on the 1977 musical, uh, which opened in April 1977. It ran for 2,377 That's performances. Crazy. Won seven Tony Awards, including Best Musical, Best Book and Score of a Musical, and Best Actress in a Musical for Dorothy Loudon, who played Miss Hannigan. Carol was nominated for Golden Globe for her performance, and there was Oscar buzz for her at the time, but it did not come to fruition. Mm. um, Because comedic performances rarely get noticed. Uh, There are two lines in the film, God damn it, someone says, and then someone says, come back here, you goddamn kid. Those were included specifically to get a PG rating um, because the studio believed that only parents with small children would go see a G rated live action. Okay. Now here's the sad thing. Aileen Quinn who played Annie, there was a huge casting call nationwide trying to find the perfect girl to play Annie. She won uh, the role and she also won a Razzie award for worst supporting actress. Which is but, just not She's a right. child. I know. Like, just keep her out of it. That's just yeah, not. Yeah, that's
0: mean. And cool. also, she was uh, good. She was fine. She's yeah, a child. She it's Annie. She's a child.
1: Exactly. Uh, like, and the, it's not. Come on. It's stupid. Especially to have yeah, her. Yeah, that's mean, mean. That's mean. To not only nominate her, but then she won. It's not cool.
0: Yeah, that's mean. Yeah. That's not cool.
1: Uh, the film this was nominated <laughs> for a total of five Razzies. It was remade for TV in 1999 and then for film again in 2014 with a predominantly black cast. Um, and then it, it's going to get a live TV, TV production this holiday season on NBC.
0: And who? Because I feel like we discussed who's going to be Miss Hannigan? Do we know? Uh,
1: Taraji B. Henson. P. Henson. Taraji yeah! P. Henson yes yes very very excited about that
0: oh my god oh that is that's that's inspired right harry connick
1: jr is daddy warbucks okay uh nicole scherzinger is grace okay and titus burgess is rooster that's all I know so far. Oh God,
0: that's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's, I'm super excited for it. The other thing that this film has going for it, besides Carol Warnett, is Anne Reinking is just a delight as Grace. Oh my
0: God, she, I could not take my eyes off her. You that, just, you can't. That song is so goddamn dumb. Um, we got Annie. Yeah. It's so stupid. The song is so stupid.
1: Her <laughs> dancing. Oh my God, she is exquisite. Oh.
0: Oh my god! I just got
1: goosebumps. Her
0: dancing is so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! And she just recently passed.
1: She did. She did
0: last year. This year, yeah. I it think was it was very, this it was year. Recent. Yeah. Um. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's so beautiful.
1: Yeah. I mean, the film is over long. It's overproduced. It you, you see almost the entirety of the film Camille for some reason. <laughs> um, I don't know why you see so much of it, uh, but you do, uh, that let's go to the movies number is so overproduced. Um, but I just love, I just love it. I love when she's climbing up the bridge and you can clearly see that it's a six foot man in a red dress. I just. I love this movie and it's not good. It is not a good movie. It's currently streaming on Amazon prime. um, But it does hold a special place in my heart. And Carol Burnett is just, she was the first one to really uh, envision Miss Hannigan as an alcoholic, um, which I think works. Um, And I just, she's just so good. Like her little girl's number, I think is just brilliant. Oh, so good. I think Albert Finney is so great as daddy Warbucks. Um, I just, I love it. I just yeah
0: I can I can see why I could see why it would be like a like a comfort film yeah listen I love time cop it's not
1: good <laughs> we all have those movies but we all have those yeah
0: right. absolutely uh,
1: also Ray Stark who produced the movie hated the song tomorrow so he tried <laughs> to use as little of it as possible which is also all right by me in my book you hate it I don't hate it. It's just like memory from cats. You've it's over. Heard it it's over. Sung. A jillion yeah, yeah, yeah. and one times. So yeah.
0: I actually like, maybe
1: I do too. That's, yeah.
0: That's yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cute. It's cute. It's yeah. cute. I watched noises off.
1: Now, had you seen noises off before?
0: I had. Okay. Um, because I had been told, I think maybe Peter. I don't know uh i had been told that it was probably something that i would want to see uh noises off is a 1992 american comedy film directed by peter bogdanovich with the screenplay by marty kaplan based on the 1982 play of the same name by michael Frayn. its ensemble cast includes michael Caine, Cara Burnett, christopher reeve oh, I john know. ritter oh i know god mary lou henner nicolette sheridan Um Julie Haggerty and Mark Lynn Baker, who I loved in this too. He was great. And featuring the last performance of Denholm Elliott, who died the same year. Oh
1: my god. Oh wow, Um, I didn't realize that.
0: Oh geez.
1: God, it's Um, just the death movie.
0: Right. Um if you don't know the film, it follows a rehearsal and performance of a dreadful farce called Nothing On, a hit British show that is preparing for its American debut in Des Moines, Iowa, with a second-rate Broadway-bound theatrical troupe under the direction of Lloyd Fellows, who is Michael Caine. Among the cast members are fading star Dottie Oatley, Burnett, hot-tempered and scatterbrained Gary Lejeune, Ritter, insecure matinee heartthrob Frederick Dallas, played by reeves myopic leading leading lady brooke ashton who is sheraton bubbly belinda blair henner and alcoholic character actor selston mowbray Elliot. frantically working behind the scenes are tim allgood who is lynn baker and poppy taylor who is mont uh Hagerty, montgomery um so it follows the rehearsal and show process of this show and just how actors are and just how sometimes shows can be. <laughs> the interpersonal relationships. And my favorite thing, first of all, anytime I see Christopher Reeves, it makes me so sad. Yeah. Just a gem of a human and gem of an actor. And the the there's this <laughs> they're they're on their final dress, and it's like two in the morning is when the show starts is when the movie starts and it it is it's just a farcical type of show you know it's not hamlet we're not breaking any boundaries here and christopher reeves character start keeps asking about like different motivations and why is he moving (laughs) to play the sardines and since we're stopped (laughs) since we're stopped and it's just i love it so much (laughs) and i thought michael cain was hilarious just it's And the whole time, too, anytime I see uh, Mary Lou Henner, she has that thing, and I don't know what it's called. She remembers everything that has ever happened to her, said to her, anything she's ever seen, read, watched, heard, anything. Which, at first, sounds really cool, and then if you think about it half a second, that must be a goddamn nightmare.
1: Yeah. I hate now whenever she's on something, they always trot her out like some sort of oddity. Right, right. Hey, what were you doing on September 14th, 1967? And she, and
0: she can fucking tell you. You can
1: like, fucking tell Like the whole day. You. Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: fucking nuts. It is. And sometimes it's like that would just like listen, learning lines that would be amazing. That would be yeah. great. Read it once you're done. That would be fu- but yeah. you'd also remember all the embarrassing shit that you did and all yeah. the mean things that have ever been said to you. It would be a nightmare. That'd
1: yeah. be horrible.
0: But I just, what did you, how many times have you seen this movie?
1: I haven't seen it a lot, but I do really like this movie. Yeah. I think it's so funny. Um, Peter Bogdanovich, of course, who directed uh, What's Up Doc, which makes sense. The whole farcical s- sequencing of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the cast is just so odd to me that it's fascinating. Yes. Um, Nicolette Sheridan. Okay. Right. Um, Mary Lou Henner. Also odd. But yeah. Yeah. But uh, I just think it's so funny. I it just that whole what would be the second act of the play, that middle sequence of the film when they're all backstage, just makes me want to do this show so bad. It looks so fun.
0: I know it looks. When they keep because so Marklin Baker and then Julie Haggerty are the stage managers, and they keep they don't know what the others doing, and so they keep making the same calls.
1: Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show will begin in three minutes. Three
0: minutes. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show will be beginning in four minutes. So, like, time (laughs) keeps moving backwards and forwards. And the audience is... And it's a matinee, so it's a bunch of old people. So the old people are like, I don't know what to do. Uh, And it's great. And John Ritter gets to be physical. And Cara Burnett gets to be um, physical and goofy. And it's... uh, I like it a lot.
1: Yeah, it's really well done. It's just so funny. And I think especially, too, coming from the theater, uh, we, we're covering a lot of theater things this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, like, I just can't imagine staging that whole backstage sequence because you also have to time it with like what would be their entrances and exits on right.
0: stage. Right. As so performing. The, the first act of the movie, you get to see how the play should be so that the second act of the movie, when it's all backstage, you understand what's happening on stage or what should be happening on stage. And also it's all in the timing because they don't talk right. because they're backstage. They're backstage. Yep. So they're not talking the into and I was watching it and they move so fast. Yes. Hands off of things.
1: Yeah. And the bottle and the flowers. And the bottle
0: and the flowers and this and that. And Mary Lou Henner's running here and coming in this door and going out this door. And Mark Lynn Baker's doing this and and there and you would have it would be it would be great. There'd be no lines, which I would love. <laughs> it would be so I mean, it has to be timed within the second. It's just it would it's amazing. Yeah and then at the end when they all come out as the prowler <laughs> because yeah. they don't know what's happening so then michael kane goes on then the guy who plays it goes on then marklin baker goes
1: on. <laughs> <something together. laughs>
0: it's 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 funny it's great i think you'll enjoy it if you're an actor who enjoys doing those types of shows just seeing it you'll be like i want to do that
1: yeah, and if not, I still think it's funny. I still think that the so many people on IMDb gave it like 10 star, like a, whatever a scale of one to 10 gave it a 10 rating. So mm-hmm. people love this movie, and it's just so funny.
0: So, so fu- oh, and clearly the director is having an affair with Nicolette Sheridan and Julie Haggerty. Julie Haggerty's pregnant. I mean, it's just and it the, that's what I love too the interpersonal because Carol Burnett and uh and Ritter are having a thing and then he thinks that Reeves is having a thing with her and then Mary Lou Henner's in love with Reeves but Reeves doesn't realize it and the one guy's now got ha- it's it, i mean it's really how theater is
1: in real life quite <laughs> honestly <laughs> I saw the revival in 2002 with Patty Lapone ooh it, it was i don't think i've ever laughed as hard at a show ever Uh, that just that whole theater was just raucous from like beginning to end that play is so funny and i'm like when i heard it was being turned into a movie it was like oh i don't know how this is going to translate but i Mm. really think they did a nice job of making it into a film
0: um i do think and they do a nice job of of showing you the audience watching it um and so you do get this a little bit but i do feel like it would be it would be a better experience the way it should be if you saw the play with other people in a theater because, you know, their laughter, their energy goes with the the actor's energy on stage. And so it probably would be a, you know, sitting here watching by myself on a computer screen.
1: Right. It's yeah. not
0: going to be the same. Like it, that, I think that is meant to be, even if you did see the movie, if you had seen it on the big screen with an audience, it's not. Yeah really meant to be watched alone although i still very much enjoyed it but i think it would be better with you know watching it with friends or whatever
1: yes yeah so that's carol burnett <laughs> in a painfully large nutshell
0: In a painfully but here's the thing i have read one of her autobiographies really to do her any justice we would have to do multiple episode like talk you know an episode for each book she's done because she's written what three four five
1: yeah something lot. like that
0: um, she is just a national treasure. So maybe, yeah, maybe we'll do a wee pod. I tried to. I wanted to listen to because I have read her one. I think it was her first one, maybe. Uh, and I wanted to listen to everything, but I don't know what her contract is with her books. You can't find them on any listening platforms, so uh, that's why I couldn't do them this week. But one day we'll have to.
1: Okay. So Carwinette, great, done, super lover. So next week we're back with the Wee Pod.
0: That's right.
1: And I want to delve into Kathy Griffin, a hell of a story.
0: Oh wow. Which is all, all about
1: right. Her coming back from her.
0: Oh yes, yes, yes. She's Let's in the news a lot this. lately.
1: She's got lung cancer.
0: Oh know She's
1: fighting valiantly. She just got cast on a new show. Oh my god. So love her, love her, love her. I've not seen this.
0: Perfect. I love it. So, I yeah. actually may have already seen it. Oh really? I can't remember? Maybe I don't know. I have a horrible memory. Um, I'm mad at Anderson Cooper. I gotta say, mad at him.
1: No, mad at him hundred percent because
0: you just left your friend high and dry there sure did sure the fuck did. just left her and said fuck you through under the bus no support that's not cool
1: yep so
0: all right cool I'm excited for that so Kathy Griffin
1: a hell of a story we will be back next week oh if you want to write to us uh, if you've made it this far um, (laughs) we are at three funny ladies at Mm -hmm. gmail.com
0: and you can follow us on the Instagrams three funny ladies it's with the uh, numeral three um so yeah we'll see you next week then huh?
1: absolutely okay, okay. bye, bye. <laughs> jesus christ